Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Who wants to be a movie star? I certainly don't. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Never make a major life decision in February with Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Do whatever you want, everybody. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Dudes don't have like in their jeans. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today, you guys, we are going to decide once and for all if certain things were better then or better now. Amy, it's a, uh, what do we call this? Not a crossover episode. It's a throwback? It's a callback? It's a sequel. Yeah, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. This was one of my favorite episodes we ever did. And we absolutely love this episode. I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can listen to it. But this is an all new Yes, we didn't get to everything. We discovered that a lot of things were better then, and a lot of things are better now. Assuming that people haven't memorized our entire catalog, we could have probably just retread the same ground. But let's but, not. We're going to, like fresh snow, we're going to make new tracks. That's because you're going to get to hear both of them. Okay, but first, mailbag. Mailbag. So Betsy on Facebook, I loved it. She said, just listening to the Back to One episode, so good. Love the Back to One concept. And I've used it many times since learning it on the podcast. One thing that came to mind in doing things that are looming is O-H-I-O, Ohio. Only handle it once. If it can be done in less than like five minutes, Ohio, bring in the mail, toss the junk mail in the garbage before you set the stack on the counter. Walk by a stray dirty sock, Ohio, pick it up and toss it in the nearest laundry bin. Thanks, Betsy. I think this is a good one. We have a typo in our notes. So it says, toss the junk mail in the garage before you. And that's more like what I do. That's more our speed. Literally, because I pull the car into the garage. I have all the junk mail and I just throw it on something in the garage. So then when we clean out the garage years later, it's like, oh, here's a bill that was stuck in the junk mail. Oh, well, I guess we didn't pay that one. Let me tell you. A gift from the gods, apartment building living. We have mailboxes in the lobby of our apartment building, so I have to go to a mailbox, you know, downstairs and use a little key to open my mail. There is a recycling, like, paper thing right there. So you stand there at this little desk, sort your mail, and you, the junk mail doesn't even get on the elevator with you. I'm going to say that that could be done pretty easily at my house as well. I could just put a recycling bin <laughs> by my front door. But will I? I will not. So instead of moving to my apartment building, you could just create this. <laughs> instead of uprooting my entire life and moving in to be your neighbors, which would be really fun, I think maybe I should just put a recycling bin by the door. <laughs> okay. 
possibly might be an easier solution. I also have to shout out everybody who has been responding to my sister's advice, never make a major life decision in February. Mm -hmm. My sister-in-law texted me yesterday. It was like, I almost cut all my hair off and I was driving to the salon when I heard your voice say, never make a major life decision in February. Now you have two sisters. So it was literally the sister who gave this advice who was almost going to get her hair cut? Oh, no, no. It was my sister-in-law who almost got her hair cut off, but she was responding to the podcast. So my younger sister gave this advice. She believes it's my college roommate who originated this advice. Doesn't matter. You just stole it. Like tweet, tweet. You stole it from me. Let's do an investigative <laughs> podcast on where this phrase originated, but wherever it was, yeah. it's still February. So please remember, we are not making any major life decisions. All right. We're not. But here's what I want to ask you. Yes. It's in a super important question. Yes. Are jeans better then or better now? I mean, this is the easiest question you've ever asked me on this podcast ever. Jeans are better now. Yes. I mean, of course they are. Because back in the day, we didn't have, what's it called? Elastic jeans that stretched. Lycra. We didn't have Lycra. Yeah. I don't understand why jeans became a thing before Lycra. Like, why did we want to wear them? Like dungarees, right? Like they were as stiff. It was like wearing sailcloth. It was like something, right? That they like make the curtain on a sailboat out of around. It was unyielding and stiff. And my husband still wears regular jeans. Do they even make jeans without Lycra now? I didn't think that was possible. Dudes don't have Lycra in their jeans. Poor them. Poor dudes. I mean, there's lots of, I'm sure, Lycra jeans for dudes, but my husband still wears like dungarees. He's from Texas. He wears like Levi's. Okay. And we are a very similar size. And so I will every once in a while like borrow a pair of his jeans. And after an hour, I'm like, I have to take these off. This is torture. Do you remember like lying down to put jeans on like in the 80s, like the super tight jeans? They probably weren't half as tight as the skinny jeans of like 2016. I'm not going to lie. I have laid down in the last year to put jeans on. The pandemic's been a little rough. Like I was sort of thinking back, like, did we ever really need to do that? But maybe we did before there was Lycra. I still have a pair of jeans. My favorite pair of jeans are like, they have some stretch, but they're not maternity pants jeans. You know what I mean? They're not (laughs) jeggings. They're like still, they have some structure. Like I haven't gone fully over into like fake jeans. My kids kind of won't wear jeans, which is an interesting trend, right? They were like, why would I do that when I could wear, you know, they want like sweatpants with a little structure, like Lululemon's not as expensive as Lululemon's maybe, but that's what they want to wear. Or even khakis with stretch. Here's my TED Talk, Amy. Okay. Jeans have been lost to athleisure. Like jeans, especially for women, have been completely replaced by athleisure. But even for like the younger generation, like my kids... None of my kids have jeans and they are somewhat mystified by them. Like we will get a hand-me-down pair of jeans and they come out of the rotation pretty quickly. Like why would you wear jeans when you've spent your whole life in like at leisure? When there's literally anything else, any other pants you could wear. My college student, he doesn't own a pair of jeans. If he goes out on the weekend, he wears like khakis with a little bit of stretch because he thinks they're like way more comfortable and softer. And why would you, you know, what kind of sad sack wears jeans? And my daughter wears jeans. Jeans may be a dying industry. My daughter is a, is a teenager and she's wearing the jeans that are popular right now with the hole over the knee that is so great. Like right now it's we're swung in the direction of there's only enough denim to hold the holes together. You know what I mean? They're like a spider web she's wearing. They're just like tiny yes. bits of frayed denim. Well, that is the new thing, right? Like the cheese grater jeans. <laughs> yeah. Those are not better now. They were a thing when we were young, like ripped at the knees, but now they're ripped like up by the pockets. They're ripped on the thighs. That's a different look. Exactly. 
There's a thigh rip, there's a tiny strip, there's a knee rip, and then I suppose there's some sort of closure at the bottom, which makes them pants and not shorts. And I was talking about this in some other context. You never think you're the person who's going to get old, and then you find yourself like, did you pay extra for those holes in your jeans? And you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm my granddaddy. Uh Uh-oh, when did that happen? (laughs) When did I become Mima? Couldn't afford a pair of jeans that weren't ripped? Yeah, I'm here for that material. It happens. I'd laugh if I was there. And listen, there's no, you got to just accept and embrace what's really happening. And what's really happening is, you know, you're now the old person who makes corny jokes. This is one that's been on my mind recently. Valentine's Day. I'm talking about like school Valentine's Day. Better then. Don't you think the expectations have gotten way out of whack in like the last, since my kids have been little? Well, two things. Yes. One the expectations. Mm, I feel like Valentine's were a big thing. I think the big thing with Valentine's Day is that, and I want to say that I completely support this choice, and I think it's a great idea, but when Valentine's Day went food-free, it's food-free at our schools. What? Yeah. Yeah, that's my gripe. That's my beef I have with Valentine's Day. I also think that people shouldn't be feeding other people's kids food at school. People have allergies. There's a lot of stuff going on. Why set up a situation where there's a kid in the corner who gets nothing? There was a phase where people were like taking pictures of their kids and they would have like a lollipop in their hand and then you would put the lollipop (laughs) in the cart. It was a whole thing. Right, right. Valentines involve crafting. Here's an easy tip if you have little kids and that you're supposed to be making handmade Valentines. I used to take the like finger paintings that came home from school by the fistful from, you know, preschool. I'd save those for a couple of weeks of a stack of those. And I just would cut hearts out of the finger painting and write, you know, love my son's name on the back and hand them out. That took five minutes and it was free. But this whole like, yeah, I have to print out my kid and then use a, an Etsy template and then special order the chocolate lollipops. Okay. Let me give you an even easier tip. I buy a box of the Spider-Man, a box of the Star Wars and a box of the Hello Pony. That's it. That stuff's like fourteen ninety nine now. Like a box, enough Valentine's for the class is annoyingly expensive. Oh yeah. I mean the ones, you can get them at the dollar store. I get the junkiest possible ones. You know, it is something that I do not like in this world which is the great exchange of crap. But mm-hmm. I'm just like path of least resistance. You know what else we do? We go to the pizzeria, we get a heart-shaped pizza. Maybe Valentine's Day is better now only because like back then, I was in charge of my own Valentine's, right? Like I spend my own hard-earned chores borders at McNeilis's pharmacy and got my box of Valentine's and I did it myself. Like, good Lord, did you grow up on a hard scrabble farm in the barren plains? I walked the three blocks of the pharmacy. I mean, I was on my own. My mom was not worrying about like, did I have enough cake pops for Jacob? You know what I mean? I just, (laughs) I was was on my own. That phrase never crossed Nancy Wilson's lips. Does Amy have enough cake pops for Jacob? (laughs) More power to her. You know, it was more cutthroat. Like, I really hoped that Rob Kleeman was going to give me a Valentine and maybe he would and maybe he wouldn't. You could make your allegiances known when it was like kid run in a way that was maybe not always kind, but now it's not all too much. That's right. Well, first of all, you have to give one to everybody now, which is better. Right. That wasn't a rule back then. Do whatever you want, everybody. No, it was a free for all. I thought that the like Snoopy Valentine's Day cards that say like, (laughs) I love hugs or whatever on them were like the height of amazingness. So I would nag my mom to take me. We lived in car culture, so I couldn't walk to the corner store. I would nag my mom to take me to the CVS and we would get them probably uh, Finch's drug back in the day. And we would get, I would get Valentine's and I believe she would pick up the check for those. I did find it really exciting and thrilling 
But Valentine's Day is a waste of time then and now. On that, we can fervently agree. The other thing that I have to say that we have not yet acknowledged, but it is important. As we talk about better then or better now, we recorded part one of this episode pre-pandemic. We had no idea what was coming at us. Oh, that's true. So it's kind of like better then, better now, or better in the before times from now. You know what I mean? Because there are definitely things like Valentine's Day. There's no party. There's no class party. It's like everything's still kind of shut down at my kid's school. And so... I think we were still on Zoom last year. Like, we didn't even do Valentine's stuff last year. This year, I'll probably get, you know, box of crap again and let my kid fill them out. And even now, when you go to CVS, there's like an Etsier version. Like, people have caught on that people want them fancier. So, there's like mm-hmm. the plastic box of Wonder Woman, you know, little folding things that don't quite rip off. But even now at the drugstores, there's like a fancier version. Exactly. Everyone's cut on that. People like it fancy. I mean, they like it fancy. I like the idea that it has to be better then, better now, or better in the before times. Just to circle back to the genes, because I think it's important that we nail this down. Yes, the before times from now. Yes. Right. And the before times now, because now we're like, jeans. I don't even, I'm just going to wear pajama pants all the time. And jeans feel like a hardship in a way that they didn't two years ago. All right. Let's take a break, Amy, and we will come back and talk about better then or better now in all the times. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. 
Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Amy, better than or better now? Hit me. What's for lunch today? Is it better than or better now? I have no idea. Are we asking ourselves what's for lunch or are our kids asking us what's for lunch? Oh, well, that's very fraught. I'm thinking when you think about your options for you of what's for lunch today, was it better back then when it was boiled ham and American cheese on white bread with a little Miracle Whip every day and you didn't have to think about it and a bag of chips and maybe a grape soda? Or is it better now that you have in your concept, it could be sweet greens. It could be quinoa. It could be sushi. Right. It could be $25. Is it better than or better now? It's better now, except for the tyranny of too many choices, which is the truth about everything about life these days, right? Which is like, yes. my aunt sometimes says, she's like, I am glad I grew up when I did because my only choices were like, get married, become a nurse or a teacher, and then stay married forever. And then die. Like, I never thought, like, is there happiness out there somewhere? Yeah. And um, I always say, like, but now, like, people could be whatever they want to be. And it's amazing. And she's like, that seems very tiring to me. And I get it. My mother-in-law, she just completed her StoryWorth book. Shout out to an often sponsor of ours. And we really do love these StoryWorth memoirs as a gift. And anyway, she talked about that exact thing. What did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? And she was like a nurse or a teacher. That's what there was. Or a secretary. And so I picked secretary. Asking somebody of that generation to engage with the, what were your wildest dreams? Like to be one of the three options, right? Door A, door B, door C. It wasn't could go to space. It just wasn't even in their mindset at all. That's right. And I do, I mean, obviously there's pros and cons of both. We're listening to a series of unfortunate events. That's our family book right now. It's such a funny book series. You're listening or you're reading it? Or both? We're both. We sometimes we read it, but then we listen to it in the car and we, we've been listening. One of our snow days activities is everyone gets cocoa and a blanket and we lay on the floor and we put the smart speaker in the middle and we play chapters of it. So we're just basically like reading while lying down, basically like, but the I think it might be, um, who's the guy from Rocky Horror Picture Show? Tim Curry, I think is the guy who does the reading. He does incredible. It's, narrating. it's a million voices and lots of funny voices, but there's a very obnoxious child in it. So there's this little girl who's like the Violet Beauregard character and her name is Carmelita Spatz, which is such a great name. But whatever they, she's like, I am a ballerina, tap dancing, veterinarian, movie star. You know, like she's always <laughs> identifying if I like all these things she wants to be in her dreams. And it's like, that's right. We now live in the Carmelita Spatz version where we can be like, I mean, both of us tried to be movie stars, Amy. That was our career goal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, And now we found, you know, maybe something even better than being a movie star, being a podcaster. Who wants to be a movie star? I certainly don't. I don't. I'm better than that. I'm a podcaster. Are they really happy? Just ask yourself that. Not as happy as us, Amy, talking to each other. All this to say, I think lunch is kind of the same. Like, there's a peaceful joy in being like, it's turkey on rye every day. And there's a wonder in like... If I think it, I can door dash it into my mouth. You know, it's one of the things that we could most get a reaction out of our children. My husband will regale the kids with like lunch hour every day. West Granton High School, right? I'd walk down the street. To, I forget the name of the deli. Get a ham and cheese hoagie, a side of Funyuns. And he'd have like a strawberry soda or something that like beggars description. Strawberry soda. So good. Every day. And the kids are like, what? And they think that's hilarious. But it was 
lunches for kids was definitely better then because that was all it had to be. Like, I didn't have any expectation that there would be anything in the refrigerator besides cold cuts. And now my kids are like, cold cuts? They wouldn't, they're like, totally turn up their nose. Where is my bowl? What are those bowls called that everyone likes now? Asahi bowl. Like, come on. Yes. Again, much as your mom was not like, cake pops for Jacob. She was definitely not like, I better have fresh asahi bowls waiting for Amy when she gets home from school. Yeah, exactly. Which is not to say the Japanese beer asahi. She would never give us that. No, no. But I mean, <laughs> more likely that than an actual asahi right. bowl. If you don't, I feel like this is a very East Coast thing, but it's like a bowl full of like fruits and yogurt or something. I don't understand it. I'm going to say it's just a smoothie in a bowl with granola on top of it. I'm like, just put it in a cup with the straw. I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's mysterious, but I'm going to say it's a tie. There's pros and cons to each. Okay. All right. Amy, let's talk about music. I like this one. This is on our list. Music better than or better now? I mean, I think absolutely better then. And I wonder if I'm just old. And that's why I think that because everybody old would say that about their then and now, so to speak. 80s songs had a plot. (laughs) They were definitely catchy. You haven't even said anything old, but I have to give you an oldie locks alert just for sounding so old. Back in my day, <laughs> 80s songs has a plot is something that Mima yells at her grandchildren. There was a beginning, middle, and an end. There were videos that were like fever dreams when you watch them now. But what was great about the 80s is looking like Madonna, like, you know, she was beautiful and all, but looking like Madonna was completely possible if you had enough rubber bracelets and some tights in your drawer and enough eye makeup. I, I mean, I did look like Madonna every single day. That was my look. Back in the 80s, they just like did their own thing. Don't forget rhinestone bracelets. They went with the rubber bands. Boy George, Cindy Lauper. These were my style icons, at least in my head, but they seemed like attainable in a way that I don't know, like... Lady Gaga does not? Yeah, you're not going to wear a meat dress. Or like, I'm trying to think of a who just like their bodies are so gorgeous, but also like improbable. Like I could never look like that. Like Lil' Kim is not like, sure, I could throw something together with what I have in my closet. Yeah. I'm going to say, again, how we define this makes a big difference. Okay. One of the biggest like... Back in my day, kids, you'll never understand. Like the fact that I can think of any song in the world. I was just in the car with a group of kids. And of course, they were like, can you play We Don't Talk About Bruno? And I said out loud, play We Don't Talk About Bruno. And the next thing you know, We Don't Talk About Bruno was blaring from my speakers. I want to be like, you will never understand that back in my day, if there was a song I liked, right? I sat in front of the radio for four hours waiting for it to come on. And then I prayed with all my might that the DJ would not over talk the beginning of the song. So you could get a clean record on your tape recorder. So that I could get a clean record on my cassette. Do you know that game that you play at Christmas? I try to get it going with my kids. It's called like Whamageddon or there's different versions of it that you try to get through the Christmas season without hearing Last Christmas. Last Christmas. No, I've heard it with the Mariah Carey song. Or with the Mariah Carey, that's like Mariah Geddon or whatever. Right. So I am now... Will you guys hear this? You're not going to believe this. I have never heard the song, We Don't Talk About Bruno, and I intend not to hear it for as long as I can. I realize time is running out, but I am a walking around human being who doesn't live in a cave who has never heard that song because my kids are old. It's such an age difference. We had my daughter's birthday party and the cake was served and we had about a half an hour to go. And I just thought, I'm in hell. Let's just play it. <laughs> Let's just play that six times. They sang it. The girls just sang it over and over again for a half an hour straight. Great. And they're like, what better use of my time could there be? Yeah. My husband talked about that. I remember when Frozen came out, he was in a 
he was in the airport in South Korea up for business. And he said there was a little girl behind him, a Korean child. It was maybe, you know, three weeks after the movie came out. And she was just under her breath singing, let it go again and again and again. And he's like, it's so wild how pervasive those like childhood songs are like i'm on the other side of the world and this little girl is like dressed like elsa and singing let it go you know it just it becomes it's like a contagion right like i think that those songs like i guess that's what i'm trying to get at like these songs just like get under our kids skin and they become these cultural things in a way that I think like Billie Jean was for me. Like yeah. popular music was what kids like memorized and thought about. And now I feel like there has to be this layer of like Pixar songs that are catchy, that have a plot, you know, that are accessible or what, you know, what, what we share and sing over and over. And I think that's good. Like, I think there was a lot of talk when the internet and streaming and stuff came along that it was going to become like, oh, there's no more communal experience, right? Like, people would always talk about that. Like, oh, well, people aren't going to the movies and sitting together and people aren't having these communal experiences. But there must be something very fundamental about that because I'm telling you, if I walked by the recess at my kid's school... And just said it was my wedding day. Right. 400 kids would break out into song. You know what I mean? Like, we don't talk about Bruno is just deep for them. So I also keep waiting a little bit for the old person thing of like, I cannot relate to this music at all. And there are definitely songs where I'm just like, is this really music? But I still really like, like, I love Dua Lipa. That to me is the world's greatest music. Like, it's the greatest music I've ever heard. I love that album so much. Not a bad song on that album. Incredible. I'll have to take your word for it. <laughs> but you know, levitating, right? I mean, you know some of her music. I mean, probably. Yeah, I'd hear it in like... But you do workout. If you work out, you hear a lot of this. Yeah. If you're on, if you're on a Peloton or whatever, yeah, yeah, you hear it. They play songs. I often talk to... I remember talking to my parents at some point. My parents were born in the 1930s. And... I remember being like, what was like a hit song when you were a kid, you know? And my dad was telling me that it was this song. I'm going to link to it in the show notes because it blew my mind. Stranger in Paradise is what it was called. It's a guy and he's like, look at me, I'm a stranger in paradise. Like it's like an operatic. Yeah. And I'm like, no, but what was like a hit song? And it was like, no, this was the biggest song when I was 14 years old. And I just think <laughs> to live, to go from that to like, WAP? I mean, God bless you. Yeah. That's quite a span. But our kids will have to explain to their kids how we don't talk about Bruno was the most important thing in their lives for, you know, about six months in 2022. And our kids will be like, what? Yes. Yes. Although I will say that musical theater and animation is slightly exempt because it's... Like, hi-ho, hi-ho. You're going to watch these movies and know these songs? Yes. The Four Aces and Eddie Calvert both did versions of Stranger in Paradise. Go ahead and Google that for yourself. It was, oh, you know what, though? As I look it up, Amy, it was from the musical Kismet. So I think that back in the day, I think when my parents were younger, like Broadway songs were big. Yes. Or just songs you could stand around the piano and sing. Like you've read those yes. Betsy Tacy books, right? I read them to my daughter. Betsy Tacy and Tib are these three sisters that are growing up in Minnesota. It's set in like 1906, 08. And is Joe going to ask her to the dance or not? They're the most beautifully written books and so sweet about girls who really have each other's backs all through their lives. They're great books for anybody, but especially girls. And yeah, they just go over each other's houses and stand around the piano and, and sing. That's what they would do on a Friday night. 
at least in the you know fictional world of Betsy, Tacey, and Tib, when there's literally no, there's no screens, there's no entertainment, you are the entertainment, singing My Wild Irish Rose. But we grew up, my parents had a friend who was, uh, I think he probably played on Broadway because he lived outside the city, but he was a professional pianist. And they would have that party even when we were growing up. Like a pianist would come and they would all sit around and sing show tunes. So fun. Yeah, super fun. And I do think it's fun. My husband always tells the story of his grandmother who came to Texas on a covered wagon and lived to see a man walk on the moon. Like, it's amazing when you see these long lives. Like, Amy, things change. (laughs) But are they better then or better now? We're going to decide after this break. Hello, Hellions. You know we listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't our own. And today we want to tell you about a podcast that really speaks to us and will speak to any parent of a child with special education needs. The podcast is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. One of my kids has an IEP, and I found this podcast so validating and so helpful. I feel better equipped to advocate for my child's educational needs now. This podcast is helpful for parents in many different situations, whether your child already has an IEP or you're just starting to wonder if they might need extra support in the classroom. Juliana has content for kids of all ages and for kids who are learning English as an additional language as well. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's sportsresearch, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. Okay, today on the podcast, we're talking about whether things were better then or if they're better now. So I figured we'd talk to some people from now to see what they think. Do you think things were better back in mom's day or now? I think they were better now. Why? Because back in the days, you had to ride like horses and you had to like get new ones when it died. Do you think that mom rode horses when she was young? Yeah. Um, I never had a horse in my life. Oh, my bad. But I didn't have video games when I was young. Yeah, so that's the problem. What else was different back in mom's day? You didn't have good food like right now. Like what's good food that I didn't have? I had Twinkies, dude. Did you have like pizza? I mean, I definitely had pizza. It wasn't that long ago. What do you think was different back in mom's day? 
Uh, there were no buses and you had to walk everywhere. I mean, we, we had buses. Hmm? How old do you think mom is? 40-something. Do you know when I was your age, there weren't even such things as computers? Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> what do you think you would have done back in the day if you didn't have video games and TV? Biking, skateboarding, playing outside. I mean, that sounds kind of better than video games, doesn't it? Sort of. Thank you for talking to me about the olden times. You're welcome, Mom. Okay, so I got one for you. Okay, hit me. Cleaning the house. Horrible then, horrible now. Yeah, horrible then, horrible now. But I think harder for my mom than for me. Like, my mom did stuff that I don't fully even understand now looking back. Like, did your mom wax the kitchen floor? Of course. We had a waxer. You'd home, come home from school and it's like, don't go to the kitchen, I wax the floor. But it'd be like once a month, she waxed the floor. And what was that and why don't we have to do that anymore? Like, was that always optional? That's a great question. Again, it's amazing what just falls out of your memory because, yes, we had a floor waxer. And as we got older, one of us was in charge of waxing the floor. And yes, there were great consequences for walking across the... I believe you wax linoleum tile, uh -huh. I think. What's the kind of almost more rubbery? Is that linoleum? It was like almost like a rubber floor, but with like a... Yeah. It was like contact paper flooring, kind of. Yes, yes. It only looked like it was in, you know, pieces. It wasn't actually tile. It was tile-looking floor wallpaper, basically. Yeah, what happened to that? And that had to be waxed so it didn't tear? I don't know. I should have brought research. <laughs> yeah, Amy, really, where's your floor waxing research? I thought you could tell me. I was thinking the other day that my daughter takes after her mother in that she is extremely messy. And I went down, She, I asked her to clean her room the other day, which she did. But then I went down to the laundry room two days ago and we made a mistake of buying her a giant. It's like this Ikea, probably people have it. It's like a silver circular laundry hamper that they sell at Ikea. The problem with it is it holds approximately 76 loads of laundry. And and she's little, so it's like the tiny girl clothes. So Everything she owns, yeah. I will say, Amy recently gave me some beautiful hand-me-downs from her daughter. And my daughter fell in love with them. I entrusted her to go upstairs and put them away. And then when I found said laundry basket, Amy, you'll be glad to know that your carefully folded clothes were in the laundry basket. Like, she's never put them on. No. I'm like, I recognize these Amy Wilson creases. <laughs> these have never been worn. These are Amy's daughter's clothes. And what are they doing in the laundry? Very gently worn, neatly folded. And well, because she had to clean them up. So like, okay, I'll put them in my 70 pound hamper. Problem solved. But what I basically realize is like every solution creates more problems. There's some economic principle that sums this up that I cannot quote at this moment. Like the floor waxer, this is research for another day. Basically that a lot of problems just create new problems. And the problem with the wash, like when you had a ringer, you know, one of those like washboards, you had two shirts and you wore the clean one and then you washed the dirty one and then you switched, you know? Yes. The disadvantage is that you're banging clothes against the rocks in the river. But the advantage is that you don't have 7,600 shirts that have to be laundered and folded every day. That the other thing that was way worse then and better now is the laundry, like I'm thinking about it, that nothing had lycra in it meant that everything was really wrinkly. I mean, my mom, I remember her with the spray starch and the ironing board, like ironing like jeans, you know? <laughs> that spray starch. I don't iron anything. 
I had the iron out the other day because I actually washed my bedroom curtains. We had taken them off and used them to like hide something at a party and they had dragged on the floor. I would never wash my bedroom curtains. I'm not insane. But I had because we had used them for another purpose. They came out so wrinkly that I mean, I actually went to hang them up and it looked comical. Like they were completely, they were like practically in a ball hanging from the rod. <laughs> and so I got the iron out and my kids were like, what does an iron do? Like I realized they have never seen me iron before ever. Wow. And how'd it go? And it's just a new world. Like, oh, it went terribly. I got halfway through it and I was like, this is nonsense. And I just hung it up really, really wrinkly. That's what I was thinking. It would take two hours and it would still not look good. It looks horrible. I'll try to take a picture of it. It's ridiculous. It's like the wrinkliest curtain. But I'm like, this is how we live now. That's the thing. This can't be fixed. The story is worth telling. When I first met my husband, which was a long time ago, I had a very kooky friend who, like the first time she ever met him, very merrily lifted up her shirt to show us an iron mark like on her stomach. She had tried to iron a shirt while wearing it. And she branded herself with an iron. Oh, while wearing it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm late, but it's wrinkly. So let me iron the shirt. And she burned herself with an iron and like, not a full outline of the iron, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon or something, but pretty much. And my husband, like that day stayed with him. Once in a while, he'd be like, I'll tell a story about, you know, something that happened 20 years ago. And he'd be like, was that the one who ironed herself? <laughs> like, it just is really a seminal moment in his life. I've done it. I've gotten the lion across my stomach. Definitely had an iron related injury on my stomach, but it was not, I don't think it was the full imprint. This brings me to hair better than or better now. I mean, the amount of curling iron burns that I incurred before the age of 18 is many. Hair is better now. Hair is better now. Way better now. It looks better. It makes more sense. I mean, the whole, I was talking to a friend the other day who's thinking about going back to work and he's like, I can never wear a tie again. Once you break with a tie, you're just like, why would I wrap a piece of fabric around my neck to signify that I am rich and professional? Like, it's just tight. Like, why would I knot something at my throat to be like, see how wealthy and smart I am? Like, and it's funny that when you break with stuff, but I mean, back in the day, although I will say I was really into my hair and I loved did you have a crimping iron? I suppose. I mean, I had literally every sort of, you know, springy, curly. Crimping iron. If you are a young, let me tell you. Again, this is just, you're going to have to do some Googling after this episode. Google crimping iron. It was like, like a set of triangles all in a row and you would smush your hair into it and it made you, your hair like a repeating Z. Like a zigzag. Yeah, zigzag style. Uh-huh. I mean, I thought I was it. And then there was no, you didn't run your fingers through it. You didn't curl it and kind of pull it back out with your fingers like you do now to give it any sort of, you know, looseness or randomness. Tight structure. Do you think, I'm just thinking about this. I have a daughter who's very into self-expression, but very individual in the way that she expresses herself, her style. She's into having style, but then her style is quite wacky. Do you think there's a much, I mean, there was definitely, I remember a year of my life where every single girl in the class wore almost a uniform. There were like four things. And one of them was Benetton made a rugby shirt that said Benetton across it. Yes. You would wear that with tight guest jeans that zippered at the bottom. I mean, we might as well have had a school uniform for how many people wore that to school. An absolutely enormous top that like yes. a linebacker, it would be big on. And then the tight jeans, you had a zipper at the ankle, right? In order to get them over your foot. <laughs> yes. Keep them as tight as humanly possible. Your foot was too big. <laughs> that's right. Because your foot was way too big to like, that's right. Like, I don't know 
have kids become, am I just out of it or have kids become more individualized than that? Like I could not tell you what the, also my daughter's in fourth grade. So it's definitely possible that in seventh grade, there's stuff going on. I know that store justice people are really, kids are really into. It was like for a while, it was like really. Are they still into that? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was a couple of years ago, but I remember it's like shiny, shiny coats and shiny bags and shiny backpacks. Sparkle. I'll tell you what, your kids are into justice until they're not into justice. Well, that's everything, right? Right. The whiplash from, no, 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 I only wear this sort of thing now to, what are you talking about? I would never wear something like that. Oh, my God. I was always the kid who was way behind the curve. I was like, I would save up my money because those Benetton shirts, even back in the day, were like $85. You're right. The Benetton rugby shirt. And I would save up my money for months. And then by the time I got it, it'd be like, what kind of loser wears that Benetton rugby shirt? I was always way behind (laughs) the curve. Oh, yeah. Couldn't win for losing. I think individual expression might be better now. I think it's uncool based on what my kids wear. Like you don't wear a brand name across your chest in quite the same way. It's going to sneak around. My daughter goes to a sleepaway camp in the summertime where they have a uniform for during the day, which sounds like strict, but it's actually terrific. It's just you have to wear green shorts and you have to wear a white t-shirt. It doesn't have to be their white, but that's it. Everybody's wearing green shorts, white t-shirts. That's all these girls can wear. And so it just takes so much pressure off like wearing a Benetton rugby. Who cares? So I just was like, what a wonderful wonderland where you're free of worrying about labels and things. No, pajamas. She just told me last week that what pajamas you have at this camp have taken on like an earth shattering importance. Yeah, that's the thing. It's so pervasive. And I think that's right. I think maybe we're just, my older ones are boys and they don't care. I mean, my son wears a Star Wars t-shirt and pants every day. All right, let's wrap it with a, um, I think I know the answer to this one, but I'm gonna let you tell me. Halloween costumes, were they better then or better now? I mean, a million percent better then. Yeah. In that you were not expected to open a special effects studio and make a a Transformer costume that actually transforms. Yes. You were not actually supposed to have Iron Man who can actually fly. Like, I mean, it's, I mean, this has been discussed ad nauseum and become kind of a thing, but I will just briefly describe for any of the youngs who don't know, you went to Woolworths, which doesn't exist anymore, sometimes called the five and dime. Now it's the dollar store, I suppose. So it would be, yeah. Yeah. You bought a box. And in that box was a plastic mask. P.S. There were four kinds. There were four boxes on the shelf, right? There weren't 50. I will say our Woolworths had like 400 boxes, but there's really only four molds of the face. So like if it had yellow hair, it was Luke Skywalker. If it had black hair, it was the $6 million man. Like Scooby-Doo or a Smurf, same weird like rounded nose mold. Yeah. Scooby-Doo painted blue was a Smurf. It was not, you were not getting, these were not like Madame Tussauds crafted. It was a plastic disc that vaguely represented the face. Which is why you also needed to wear a weird like lobster bib kind of thing that said the name of what you were across it. Like you had to wear a Barbie mask and then also wear a plastic thing that said Barbie on it because you really couldn't tell from the mask what you were supposed to be. Google this, please, if you have not experienced it. That's right. So you would have like a Wonder Woman mask, a plastic basically (laughs) dinner plate that you would have fixed to your face. Really hot. With black hair and a crown and red lips. And then your own eyes and lips. You'd sweat underneath it. That's right. The lips had a tiny little air hole in them, like way too small to breathe. And then you would have a like a plat like picture a kitchen apron, but it was made of plastic and it had the Wonder Woman logo on it. So it was not her outfit. It wasn't like a bra and pants. It was just the <laughs> Wonder Woman logo. 
And again, mass hysteria. We were all like, this seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. But it was all there was. And we weren't worrying about, in July, special ordering uh, the wig that will make you look exactly like Coraline or whatever. It just, <laughs> there was what there was. My mom, I've said before on the podcast, everyone has like one thing. This is the way to stay sane as a mom. You're like, I'm not going to be like great at costumes and Christmas and birthday cake. Pick your one thing. Mine is birthday cakes. My mom's was Halloween costumes. She was a good sewer. So she handmade all of our Halloween costumes and she worked on them for two or three months. So you had to get her your order in August. They were incredible. What was your best Halloween costume ever? Statue of Liberty. I'll see if I can find a picture of it because it was incredible. She hand dyed sheets. She like studied. She had in front of her sewing machine a picture of the Statue of Liberty. She worked on it for months. It was incredible. That's so cool. And of course, I was like, eh, thanks. You know, of course, I wasn't like, oh, my God, thanks so much, Mom. You're amazing. I was peanut M&Ms, but I did it myself with like a dishwasher box and many, many sheets of yellow construction paper. I was peanut and my friend Gina was plain. I mean, that's fun. That's fun. And again, I mean, it was more on the kids. It was more on you. Yeah, yeah. But I, of course, craved the, I kind of wanted a Wonder Woman plastic mask and an apron because that's what everybody else had, you know? Yes. Having what everybody else had was so easy, though. It was just the same drugstore thing. You could be Scooby-Doo or you could be Wonder Woman, but it wasn't like you could have a Transformer costume that actually transformed. Yeah. And then you would go to school and the, all the Scooby-Doos would run up to each other. <laughs> there, You're right. In any given class, there were six or seven Wonder Womans. That's right. Yeah. You would all kind of like meet each other excited that you were the same thing. My son won as, you know, the inflatable T-Rex costume that you know you kind of see everywhere. He went as that one year and he loves dinosaurs and he's really into like being the center of attention. So it was a perfect costume for him. Our town is very Halloween-y and there's one street where there's like thousands of kids all running around. And it was really cute because there was a million T-Rexes that year and they kept finding each other and like running into the center and like dancing and stuff. We have a lot of pictures of them all together. It was adorable. Yeah, I think it was better then though. It was a simpler time, Amy. And now I will say we go, I don't make any Halloween costumes. And so we go to Party City and we're like, we'll take a number 72, a number two. It's not that different from Woolworths. It's just that the costumes are much better. <laughs> right. And more expensive. Yes. And much, much more expensive. I think it's a draw. I think in conclusion, some things were better then and some things were better now and some things... Most things were better in the right before now than in the now. But we're going to turn this around. I think the only thing we've truly decided today, Amy, is that we are in fact getting quite old. <laughs> right. I believe that is the only thing we've solved today. Q-E-D. <laughs> <laughs> proved. Not solved. Proved. No. Proved for today. Hey, we want to get some new merch in our merch store. Our listeners always have the best ideas. And so we want you guys to go to Facebook, facebook.com slash whatfreshhellcast. We're going to have a post up there saying, what do you think should go on our merch next? We want you to tell us what you want on a sticker, a sweatshirt, I don't know, a mug. And we're going to take some of your favorites and actually make merch out of them. So come join us there and tell us what you think. And don't forget to go to bit.ly slash whatfreshmerch to see what's already there. To peruse our wares. Peruse the wares and then make your own suggestions. Yeah. So that our merch store, Amy, I'm going to wrap it up, can be better now. Awesome. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good week, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. So long. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence 
whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks.